Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Online. I'm glad that you're here. As always, I'm gathered around by my uh, amazing wife and some awesome friends that uh, just have a heart for you to get into the Word of God with us and just enjoy the time spent in this Word and hopefully allow the Word of God to, to get into you and to get into your life to meet you right where you are and to bring you something that I think will help you and encourage you, something that will bless your life and, uh, and hopefully uh, make a big difference. So grab your Bible if you would. I want to turn over to Matthew chapter 25 as we start a new Kingdom Builders series. I think it's going to be good. I want to say uh, thank you to all of you who are joining in from all over the world, from my friend Roxy, from my mom and dad, to uh, my cousins, aunts and uncles, our people across the pond in jolly old England. We're so glad for each and every one of you. Uh, it blows my mind every week when you, when you like, when you comment, when you share where, uh, where you're, where you're uh, watching this from. And then when you share this video with your social media friends, that's a big deal. It matters to us. Also, for those of you who, are, who have been so generous by, by giving and donating towards this ministry, thank you very much. And as always, I want to just remind you, hey, if this is not your home church, if this is not where you're getting fed the word, um, please do not send your tithe offering here. That's not for us. That's for your home church. Um, lots of churches are needing it pretty desperately right now. And God will always take care of us. So I'm glad that you could join in today. Matthew 25. Uh, I want to make sure that, that uh, as we're getting into God's word, that we have a couple things that are that are really prevalent in this series. And, and the first is that uh, this, this, this series is going to be an invitation to an all-in life. And uh, I, I, I want to just, just pose a question to you. Uh, what would your life look like if you were, just, if you were all in with God? Not, not most, not just some, not, well, I'm curious about God, or no, I, I like God a little bit on Sundays, but it doesn't really have an effect on the rest of my life. Um, I'm, I'm talking about an all-in life. If, if God himself was to look at your life, was to look at your schedule, was to look at your bank account, was to look at the way that you speak and the way that you, that you interact with others, would you say my life is all-in with God? And, uh, and if not, what would it look like to be all-in with God? What would it look like to have an all-in life? And so in, in Ecclesiastes 3, it says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That means that there's a, there's a sense of something big, an eternal purpose in each of us. And unfortunately, in our, in our own humanity, uh, we take that sense of purpose and that, that, that longing to do something big and, and we will end up doing dumb things with it. We, we, we drive to be famous or drive to build something or to, to make people do what we think is, is right. And, uh, and, and we end up making a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, I am the first and foremost, the champion of that. I, I know what it's like to have those important things placed in my heart by God and in my nature and then turn around and use them for my own purposes. I think all of us at one time or another have done that. Maybe you're doing that right now. Um, but for me, I thought, man, the quickest way to become who, who I want to be and to get the things that I want to get would be to, to get as much money as possible. And so uh, in my late teens and early 20s, um, I became a drug dealer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just as surprised as you are. Uh, <laughs> um, I determined that, uh, that just, you know, these this few bags that I was selling here and there uh, to, to my friends and to some other people, um, that wasn't making enough money uh, fast enough. And so I determined I was going to start making bigger and bigger deals um, like a moron. And so uh, I remember a specific time where I, I grabbed a couple of buddies that had, you know, had some connections to some guys that were higher up. And we ended up meeting some guys from a Mexican cartel. Yeah. And uh, I ended up buying a kilo of cocaine. <laughs> Your pastor, this guy, <laughs> a kilo of cocaine to break that up and sell it to make a, to make a ton of money. Now, I ended up in... in uh, in the middle of this deal, just getting ripped off, and it got it went from bad to worse. There's lots of, uh, of horrible things that began to happen around my life and around with those people that I was mixing up with. And in my desperation to make more money, to get more things, to have what I thought was the the perfect life, to have you know great wealth and to have uh, all the toys, uh, it ended up almost leading me to prison. Um, that was a huge mistake. 
And uh, I remember getting pulled over by the police and uh, having my having my car searched. They actually um, uh, just um, just took my car apart on the side of the road. They ran the canine dog through there, uh, detained me for several hours looking for this kilo of cocaine. One of the guys that I had done the deal with had gotten arrested and had given them my name as the money guy. And uh, thank God I didn't have the kilo of cocaine on me at that at that time, or it would have been prison for me. That would have been the end of old Pastor Tim. I'd had a I'd had a great prison ministry. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that, was, that was the end of, uh, of those kind of dreams. You see, God has, God has put that sense of, of purpose inside of each of us and a, a longing for something bigger and something more. And when we don't have a healthy view of who God is, we don't have a healthy perspective of, of what He wants for our lives, we will take that sense of purpose and misuse it in all kinds of horrible ways, leading to some bad choices. You might be able to relate to that as well. In Matthew 25, though, I wanna, I wanna bring you up to, up to speed. If you don't know this, Jesus begins to talk about the end of times. He begins to, to preach parable after parable after parable to his disciples. So this is not to the lost people, but to his disciples. And he said, this is the most important thing. This is that sense of purpose. This is that reason why you're here. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what your life is supposed to be all about. This is how important it is. And he gives us this, this healthy view through multiple stories of what he expects from each of us. And so in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven, it's gonna be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And I wanna make sure that you see those last two words, his property, it's his. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away and he who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in to the joy of your master. And he also went to the one with two talents. He came forward and said, Master, you've delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two more. His master said also to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also went, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, or you lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I haven't sown and I gather where I hadn't scattered, scattered seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest or that's the least you could have done. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Had a friend of mine that one time was talking about this scripture and he says there, well, Jesus says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's gnashing of teeth? <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's, it's gnashing of teeth, but it's obvious that Jesus is saying this is going to be, it's not going to end well for you. 
So as we're digging into God's Word today and talking about that sense of purpose and belonging and the most important things that God has for His servants, as Jesus gives us this example, there's some important things that we see that we can pull out of this that can apply to our lives. And I think God is going to speak something to you through His Word today. Um, I want you to know that perspective matters. How you see God matters. When my wife and I uh, took our kids on on a vacation um, several years ago, we took them, uh, first of all, to the Hoover Dam, uh, which was which was awesome. And then there was a time also that my wife and I went on a vacation and we got to go to the top of the New York Empire State Building. And for those of you that know me, uh, my wife's laughing because I am not a fan of heights. I think heights are dumb. If God wanted us to be up that high, he would have given us wings and he did not. Like, <laughs> And uh, I don't know where it came from, but I, I think maybe it has to do with when I was about nine or 10 years old, I fell out of a tree and, and broke my arm. And just that sense of falling and the, the impact of the ground and broken bones and all that stuff was kind of my first real traumatic injury. And from that moment on, anytime I get over like 10 or 15 feet, I'm just, no, I, I, that's, that's not for me. Some people can do it. God bless you. You're awesome. Heights don't bother you, but it's, it's a big deal to me. And uh, it doesn't even bother my kids. And so when we're at the Hoover Dam, they, they know that I'm nervous about it. And it, it's, it makes me even more nervous to have my kids around the edge of Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam is a long drop off, man. And uh, my kids kept acting like they're going to throw one another off the edge. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, God, what are you doing? I'm getting angry and I'm getting full of anxiety. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm trying really hard to be a man. And the same is true at, on the top of the Empire State. You know, everyone else is enjoying the great view. Wow, you can see forever. And I'm just like, oh, let's go down. Let's go down. Let's go down. I don't, we don't belong here. This was not meant for any human being to be up this high. This is not right. God never, ever intended for us to be this way. And, uh, and, and because of my anxiety, because of my fear, I could not enjoy the view. Uh, everyone else is taking pictures. I'm, I'm out. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I want to get down as soon as possible. If you're afraid of heights, type it in the chat. I want to hear I wonder if there's anybody else that's like me where you just say, hey, you know what? That's, that's not for us. Um, but you're, you know, my, my perspective in that moment was clouded by my anxiety and by my fears. And I, had a, I, I, I did not have the same experience that other people had. Uh, they could enjoy it. I cannot enjoy that. That's, that's not enjoyable um, to me. And we, we, when we look at God, we look at him through his word, um, how we view God, according to this parable that Jesus gives, how we view God has major rewards and major consequences. Major rewards, major consequences, the perspective that you have at God. And uh, when we have a, a, a skewed perspective, when we don't see God for who he really is, when we don't understand his word and who God is screaming at us through his word about his character and, uh, and about his heart, when we don't have a good view of who he really is, we will, we will not enjoy the ride like some other people will because we've got a false view. And that may come from being hurt, may come from uh, experiences that you had or just a, uh, a negative theology. Yeah. Um, sometimes just bad teaching will, will give you a view of God that's just not correct. Right. And you'll have a hard time understanding what he expects of you. And so Jesus in this parable makes it very clear of who the master is and what his servants are, 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 are to be about. So what is it that keeps us from having that good perspective of God? What keeps us from living an all-in life? What keeps us from being kingdom builders? And I would submit to you that it's having a, a, a faulty perspective of who God is. And so I want to give you three wrong perspectives of God that keep us from going all in. And these are things that I've had to battle in my own life. And I think if you can be honest, uh, you're, you probably battled them at some point too, maybe right now. Um, the first is, uh, like, like one servant, um, 
we, we see God as the unfair God. God's not fair. You know, he gave this person five talents and he gave them two and I only get one. You know, that's, that's, that's not fair, God. Why, why didn't I get what, what they got? And um, it's, it's easy for us to get lost into that, uh, that comparison. You know, you, you see somebody that has more talent than you. You see somebody that's wealthier than you or somebody that's more spiritual than you or somebody that has a better family than you. And we get this view of God, like, why, why didn't I get those things? You know, do you, do you not love me, God? Do you not care about me? And this foolish and wicked servant that the master, who we know to be God himself, uh, the attitude that he comes back with is, is, is one of, of a flawed perspective. Of, I, I see God as unfair. It's not fair. You gave them more. I didn't have as much to work with. And I, I, I found that, like, like Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, when I, uh, uh, when I first started getting into ministry, it was, it was really cool to see God beginning to bless and to, and to surround us with people that wanted to provide for the vision. And through the process of, of being able to travel the world and, and preach the gospel, I've met some incredibly wealthy people. I mean, incredibly wealthy. Things that... Uh, things that I, I never would dream of in my, in my wildest dreams. I've also seen some of the, the poorest of the poor. And uh, if you don't have a good view of God, you won't understand why are some people wealthy and some are poor? Why do some get so much and some have so little? Does God love the rich and hate the poor? To, and there's, a, there's a, a skewed perspective that begins to uh, give an opportunity in our minds to, to throw off really how we view God. Um, Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And the more that we compare our lives to somebody else's, we end up uh, just losing the joy in, in the purpose that God has given each of us. There's a purpose for your life. And if you only see God as the unfair God, um, and you, when, like the steward, he, 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 he didn't get what everybody else got, and so he chooses to hide what he does have, just so I can give back to God what he's given me. And to me, that screams insecurity. Mm -hmm. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm gonna play it safe. I'm just gonna give back to God what he's already given me. And it seems like a smart thing. I'm gonna give God... What, what, what he's given me, but the Bible calls this wicked and lazy. You see, um, I think when we're, when we're consumed with what's fair, and by the way, you don't want a, a fair God. <laughs> God. God is just, but if you really want to talk about what's fair um, to receive anything from the Lord, uh, that's, that's, that's asking for a lot. We deserve death because of our sin. But God in his great mercy has chosen to give us something more. He's an amazing God. Um, I, I found this to be true. While we're busy looking for what's fair, God is looking for who's faithful, who's faithful, who has taken what, he, what they've been given and used it, maximized it for the glory of God. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Fully committed, that's all in. You see, an all-in heart gets strength from God. All in. But if you're busy looking at what everybody else has, it's going to be hard for you to trust God with what he's given you, especially if you see yourself as having a lot less than others. It's a skewed perspective that all in life is a strengthened life. So if we view God as unfair, we'll never see the potential that God has placed inside of each of us. Here's the second skewed perspective, the faulty perspective that keeps us from enjoying the real God. And that's when we see God as uncaring or unpresent. Um, he, he's not here. Where was he? Where was God at? And so it says the master had gone away on a long journey. And so this guy just takes it and buries it. I'm going to save that for later because he's not here. Uh, he must not care. You know, one of the, one of the greatest joys uh, as a parent is watching your children do the right thing when they don't know that you're watching. 
And if you've ever had, you know, the nanny cam, or if you have, you know, camera set up in your children's room to keep watching on them while they're asleep, and as you start training them and you start seeing them do the things that you're hoping that they would do to, to, to get themselves back to sleep, or you see them behaving in the right way, or you get a good report from their teacher when they're at school, like this kid did the right thing. He, you know, he, 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 he saw a need and he met the need, and he was polite, or he used his manners. And you're like, oh, thank God. That's exactly the way that the Lord sees us. When you don't think he's watching, when you don't think he cares, um, he absolutely does, and he absolutely is. And it matters to us how we view God. But if we see him as uncaring or unpresent, uh, then it's hard for us to be all in because we're like, hey, time keeps marching on. Jesus hadn't come back yet, so in the meantime, I'm just going to do what, is, what I feel like is right to me. He's an uncaring or an unpresent God. But Proverbs 5.21 says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does examining every path that he takes. The Word of God can't be more clear about that. So God looks at every path that you take, every decision that you make, and it matters what you do with what he's given you. God is not uncaring. He's not unpresent. He cares deeply. As a matter of fact, John 3 says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You matter to God. What you do matters to God. What you do with what God has given you deeply matters to God. And there are consequences and rewards for the things that God has entrusted you with. Mm-hmm. I cannot be more clear about that than to make sure that you, that, you, that you hear me because you're going to be held accountable for what God has given you. There will be a day where God holds you accountable for the things that he's entrusted to you. And in that moment, I want you to be able to, to hear him say, well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master i don't want you to hear you wicked and lazy servant get out of here that's not what we want to hear so let's be clear about what god is asking of us i uh i I wrote it down this way if you don't believe that god's watching and going to hold you accountable you'll never feel a sense of urgency and i think people do that they there's no real sense of urgency to their life so They'll end up just putting it off like I'll serve God sometime or I'll use this for I'll share my testimony someday or I'll, I'll, I'll tithe someday. Or I'll, I'll honor God by this. I'll, I'll do something great for God someday. I just don't have a lot of time right now. There's no sense of urgency. But I want you to know it says the, the, the servant who'd received five talents. It says he went immediately and began trading. He got to work immediately. And I'm here to, to, to stir you up today because I, I want to make sure that that you're that you're very clear on one thing. Uh, we don't have time to mess around. Yeah. You have an expiration date. Yeah. And I think many of us have this assumption that we have unlimited amount of years and time to do what God has asked us to do. You do not. Yeah. Let me be very clear. Jesus is coming back. Yeah. He is coming back. And I can say that with all authority and all assurance, uh, with, with everything that I have, please hear me. If you don't hear anything else that I say, please hear that he is coming back. And when he comes back, you want to be on his good side. I saw a bumper sticker one time in the house that says, Jesus is coming. Everybody look busy. <laughs> I want you to be more than busy. I want you to be about the father's business, yeah. using what he's given you, stewarding it well, so that you can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the third perspective that I think many of us um, have taken at some point in our lives, and that's we see our own version of God. It may not be the, the non-caring, non-present God, and it may not be the unfair God, but it may be the own version of God that you've kind of created in your own mind. You see, the foolish servant, when the master confronted him, he says, well, God, I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to be hard. 
I knew you to be someone that didn't care. I knew you to be someone, I, I had a perspective of you that was angry. And it, and it shocks the masters. Like, th- that's, that's what you think of me? You know, I entrusted you with things. I've given you a job to do. You know, I, I've, 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 I've given you things. And in that, in that process, you see me as someone that's, that's difficult. Um, I, I think that's pretty generous. Um, but when the steward uh, has this faulty view of, of who God is, it, it begins to change everything about how he sees the, the master. It begins to change how he sees what God has given him. I knew you to be a hard man, you know, but Scripture tells us uh, that God is love, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Scripture tells us he's a God of justice and mercy, that his kindness leads people to repentance. When we have a faulty view of God, we'll take all those things and throw them out the window and say, well, he's an angry God. He's just waiting for me to mess up, or I've tried before, and I can't do it. I can't live up to his expectations. So can't win, don't try. You see, the first two servants knew his expectations and the rewards for obedience, but the third created a a persona in his own mind of who he thought the master was. He kind of created what he wanted to see. I think for some of us, it's easy to not serve God when you create a God that's not worth serving. Well, that's good. Somebody ought to write that down. That's good. (laughs) Type fire in the emoji right there. That's good. I don't even know what I said, but it felt good. Uh, But, you know, those those that don't know God intimately, they won't trust his goodness and they won't see his provision. You know, God revealed himself to Abraham when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son to be obedient. God revealed himself and began to, he began to reveal himself with a name, Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees you and provides for you, the God of provision. And if you don't know God intimately, if you've never taken a step of faith, if you created a, a false version of who you think God is, You'll never see his provision. You won't trust his goodness. You'll never be able to go all in with him because you won't believe that he can be trusted. And I want to just, I want to just confront that false view of God today because that's not the God that, 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 the word of, that the word tells us that he is. That's a God that cares deeply for you and that wants to see you enter into his joy. God that's created, a, put a sense of purpose into your life. There's something bigger than you. He's given you talent. He's given you gifts. He's given you resources. And what you do with those matters. When you use those for his kingdom, it's pleasing to God. But if you think he's just waiting around for you to make some mistake and you've created a false view, you'll never live an all-in life. That's a sorry place to be. That's a wasted life. Your life is a gift from God. You know, Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That means everything belongs to him. First Chronicles 29 says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. They don't come from kilos of cocaine. (laughs) They come from God. And it says this, you are the ruler of all things. So I'll make it very, very clear to you when it, when it comes to living an all in life, giving everything that you have Trusting God with your resources. And and this is what I want to make sure that you hear me very clearly on. You are a steward. You're not an owner. You're not the owner. You're the steward. And you're going to be held accountable for what we think we own, but we really are just the manager of. So a kingdom builder, an all-in life, you're going to steward three things extremely well. 
If you want to see God say, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful servant, you're going to steward three things well, and I'll give them to you in order. The first thing that we're going to steward well is God's time. God's given you a gift of time. It's a gift. That time will run out in this life. But what you do with it matters. It has major rewards and major consequences. We don't have unlimited amounts of time. It's a gift. It's a gift. So when we choose to steward our time well, to honor God with our time, it looks like things like spending our time reading His Word, spending our time watching this podcast, spending our time sharing this message with friends. When, when we spend uh, our time in prayer or in worship, when we honor God with the first part of our day by, by spending time communicating with Him, that's stewarding well. Because we're giving back to God the thing that is most important to us, which is our time. It's something that we don't get back. It's our life. And so God honors and redeems the rest when we give him the first and the best of our time. Here's the second thing that a good steward will, uh, will, will manage very, very well, and that's God's finances, the money that you've been given. How foolish it is to spend our time thinking that money is going to bring us happiness. Without God, there's no such thing. But God has given you some resources. And you know, you may look at your finances and say, yeah, but these guys got five and that person's got two. I've only got one or I might have less than one. But you're still going to be held accountable for the resources that you do have. How you spent the money that you were able to make. Um, and it, in that money, do you consider that yours or is it his? Because what you do with it from that point on matters. You can't live an all in life if money is your God. So I want to ask you, what would your, what would your, what would your week look like if we honored God with the best of our time and with the best of our finances? What would an all-in life look like if you were all-in with your finances? I'm not here to ask you for your money. I don't need your money. But I'm sitting here being very, very clear that what God's word is asking of us is to not let money have you. Your God is the ruler of all things. He's a very wealthy and a God of, he's, he's a God of abundance. Your, your $5 is not going to make a big difference anywhere else, but it can make a big difference in the kingdom of God if it's the first and the best of what you have. Your finances matter. So we use the master's resources to build the master's kingdom. That's how God calls us to steward our finances. We're here to build his kingdom with what he's given us. Here's the last thing and the most precious thing that you can steward. It's not just your time. It's not just your money. But the greatest gift that we have it isn't time or money. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Good. You see, if you know him and you have him living inside of your heart, you're going to be held accountable for what you did with the gift of God's son. Mm-hmm. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be his voice to those that haven't heard it. We're called to be hope to the hopeless. We're called to be salt and light. Those are things that bring flavor and bring light, bring, bring illumination to darkened places. You're going to be held accountable for what God's given you. He's given you time. He's given you some finances. And he's given you the greatest gift that he could ever give you, the gift of his son. What are you doing with them? I want to encourage you to live an all-in life. I want to challenge you over the next week to think about what would it look like if I weren't here to, to just make money or to do things that I, th- I, th- that I think are important, what, what does God say that is important? And how can I reschedule my calendar to make sure that God is first? How can I reschedule my finances to make sure I honor God 
first. He gets the first and the best of what I make. How can I make sure that I'm willing and able and ready at any time to share Jesus with anyone that I may come across? That's what it means to be a kingdom builder. That's what it means to be a faithful steward. That's what it means to have a clear perspective of who I am and the sense of purpose and belonging that God has given to my life. I will not waste my time. I will not waste my money. And I will not waste the most precious gift that God could ever give me, His Son. As we finish up today, I want to just uh, ask you one question. What, what would change today if, if I determined that I was all in? What would your life look like if you weren't playing games with God? If you weren't giving God what was left over, but you were all in. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? So if you're willing to take a step, if you're willing to take a challenge, I want to ask you to start by doing a couple things. Type it in the chat. Say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Just tell us right where you are. Say, I watched this message from beginning to end. I'm all in. Type it in the chat. I'd love to hear that. That would encourage me that at least you listened all the way to the end of the video. Second thing you could do for me is you could share this video. It starts by sharing the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use your social media influence to not be ashamed, but to share what has been feeding you. Share Jesus with your friends. I want to challenge you to do that. As we finish up today, I want to pray for those who are walking through a rough time. Maybe it's, it's, it's in the area of your family, your relationships. I just I sense from the Lord today to, to make sure that, that you get prayed for, that you know that somebody cares about your family and about what you're walking through. I want to pray for those that are, are having a difficult time with your, with your finances. Um, you're, you're coming to a place where God's having to increase your faith because things are looking, looking pretty bleak. I want to pray for you today. Right where you are, would you just do me a favor? Would you just open up your hands as if someone was handing you a gift to set them on your knees and just receive this as I pray over you. Lord, I just pray for every single person that's watching this today. I pray that you would speak to them right where they are. I pray that you would call them deeper. I pray you would call into an all-in life where they wouldn't just be toe deep or ankle deep or, or knee deep in, in you, but that they would be all in. They'd say, Lord, I trust you. You're all I've got. I trust your goodness. I trust your provision. I trust that you can take care of me. Lord, I pray for each and every person watching this that you would take them to a deeper walk with you than they've ever walked before. I pray you would encourage and bless them. For those that are walking through a difficult season, Lord, I pray you would strengthen them right now, that you would encourage them. That you'd bless them. I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for, I pray for supernatural provision from Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Would you show up and prove your greatness to them once again? In Jesus' name. Now, as we finish today, I want to make sure that for everyone that's watching, that you get a moment, you get a chance to respond to the gospel. The gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ himself came and died on a cross, was buried in a grave, but he rose from the grave so that you could have life and forgiveness for your sins. And if you believe that, if you'd like to take that step today, that I, it would be my greatest honor to help you to take that step into your, that first faith step into belief in Christ. It starts with a prayer. I'll say it and I'll pray it and you can, you can just repeat after me right where you are. The prayer goes like this. Take this step with me. Pray with me. It goes like this. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, but you rose again so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to take over. Come live inside my heart. Be my boss. Be my savior. I give my life to you right now. 
In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I am so incredibly proud of you. Would you do me a huge favor? Would you text me? The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 94090. It just, it blesses me so much when I see people from all over the world that have texted in and said, Pastor Tim, I prayed with you. Um, I took that step of faith. That was me. Um, do that for me if you would. For everybody else, man, God bless you. I want to just uh, continue to encourage you. You're so awesome. You, you mean the world to me. Thank you for tuning in today. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome day.